Alright guys, we got a massive episode today, but before we get into it, this episode contains language and discussion of sexual violence that may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Alright people, you know what time it is. Some Bases Covered is back with another episode. It's time to fire, boys. Ah, awesome. Yeah, it's a lovely city. It is so lovely. And where are you based? I'm in the U.S., in Oregon. Oregon. Aha. So we're like opposite time zones, right? Yeah, yeah. So it is 10 15 in the morning over here. Aha. We're here at 7 17 in the evening. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. But that's nice that we can connect with people all across the world just through through screen. I love it. I love it. It makes the world such a small, connected place. Right. So first of all, thank you. It's wonderful to to have you here. We've been doing all these interviews, podcasts with people all across the globe who have some remarkable stories to share. So we're really curious because I read that that you also had a transformative life experience. Yes, right on. You know, um, I found myself on the floor of the bathroom uh, just crying and just being like, why me? I didn't do anything wrong. You know, why me? I'm a good person. I did everything right why me i don't deserve this yet in that moment i couldn't see past all the pain and suffering that had engulfed my life and so you know i spent over 17 years within these two narcissistic abusive marriages i lost multiple homes to fires and hurricanes i had a baby born with a really rare genetic disorder i lost a lot of 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 loved ones you know, during COVID. And it's like, why, why is all this stuff happening to me? And in that moment, I actually had lost my eyesight as well. Wow. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here just in this rubble of my old life, just, you know, really stuck in this victim mindset, this victim consciousness. And I felt at that moment, Um, you know, God divine was saying to me, Stephanie, you are not seeing your life clearly. You are not seeing your life through the right lens. And I physically manifest, you know, I physically could not see. And then I could not see on on the other level. And so I, I felt at that moment that I needed to to let go of the victim story that kept me stuck for so long and become the star of my story. And when I was able to do that, when I was able to shift that perspective from why me to for me, I could see the lessons. I could see what needed to be healed and released and let go. And I could become empowered and become the star of my story. This is why I I share my story because there's so many of us men, you know, and women who feel stuck in these narcissistic abusive relationships. We know something's wrong. We don't know what it is. We don't know how to get unstuck. And and we just sit there in this victim mindset, 
because we don't know how to move forward in our life. Mm. So that's a really interesting story you tell there. So you have experience with narcissistic relationships. And at one point you just had like a breakdown on the bathroom floor. Why me? And you, you mentioned it nicely. You transitioned from why me to for me. And it sounds like you had some type of spiritual intervention that you literally couldn't see. And then something came to you and made you see very clearly what was going on in that moment. And now yes. you use that experience to help others. Yeah. And so, you know, um, when we are, are stuck in, in that victim mindset, like so many people would say, Stephanie, what are the lessons? Learn the lessons and move on. But when we're stuck in this victim mindset, we can't see any lessons because we're stuck in, I didn't do anything wrong. And when we continue to say, I didn't do anything wrong, then how do we see the lessons? And if we think about it, if we're here to learn the lessons and grow, we're not growing when we're stuck in that, that victim consciousness. Mm, yeah, it's a consciousness. It's like it's an entity of its own. It's almost like we identify <clears throat> with it and hence we cannot see it. Um, yes. It is. A, I think it's a breakthrough the moment you can actually see that, like, hey, I'm in this victim consciousness because then you can change it. Huh? Yeah. For you, that was that moment in the bathroom floor. Um, yeah. But a lot of people like out there now still struggle with exactly these teams and they don't know how to break out of it. So, so for me, I, I found EFT and I, I say I found it because so EFT is emotional freedom techniques. It's a healing modality. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's, um, you know, it brings together Eastern and Western practices and you tap on the meridian points of the body, the acupuncture points of the body. Mm -hmm. And while you're doing it, you sit with the big, heavy emotions that are coming up because our body holds on to the trauma. So for instance, the anxiety is coming up when you've been in these abusive relationships, your body is telling you through anxiety that something is not right. But now that you're safe, your body doesn't know that you are safe. Right. And so the anxiety still keeps coming up. And so one of the powerful things about EFT is that, okay, I recognize that I have anxiety. I need to recognize it. I need to sit with it and feel it. I need to recognize where I'm feeling it in the body and then I need to release it. Mm -hmm. And so through EFT, you um, like the first couple rounds is really acknowledging whatever big heavy emotion is coming up and where you're feeling it in the body. Then the second rounds are releasing it. You know, I, I release you from my body. I'm choosing to let you go. I no longer need you. I am safe. You've done your work. Thank you. And then I take it to another round and I say, let's tap into the person we are becoming. Mm. So I am uh, strong. I am powerful. I am brave. I can do hard things and get through hard things. It might be hard right now, but it's not going to be hard forever. Mm. And so really tapping into the person that you want to become or you are becoming, you know, whether you you believe it at that moment, we can say, I am becoming, and we can live in this like wish fulfilled desire state, you know? 
So you're actually working on like three kinds of layers there, or three stages, and you're incorporating the, the body and the nervous system next to the mind so that they can be integrated, right? Through the tapping. Yep. And yep. you also link it to like a future perspective because this is what a lot of trauma survivors don't have. They can't even imagine or hope that it can get better. So I like yes. what you did there that you actually make that bridge like to... Um, to have a, a, a future view. Yes, yes. Um, and so it is, it has been very, very, very helpful. And so when I found EFT, I thought I was actually, I was desperately searching for something. You know, I had left my second husband and just feeling just depleted. Like I, I didn't know what was going on. And so I, uh, you know, the divine gives us what we want when we need it. And I, I thought I was signing up to work with a practitioner. I actually signed up on a course to become a practitioner, which is exactly what I needed because I had just so much drama for, for so many years uh -huh. of within these two abusive marriages that I really needed a, a lot of work. And so I just spent hours and days and weeks and, and months, and then it's become years, you know, working through this process. So yeah, it is such a good tool for the victims and survivors of abuse. I've heard of it a lot, the EFT indeed, that it's being used more and more. And I also like that you found it along your journey and you actually like applied it to yourself and you know it works. So now it's something that you extend to the people you help. Yes, yes. Let's see, I see a, a question in the chat. Let's just take that, that one along. So could you tell us a bit more about what narcissism looks like in a marriage <clears throat> and what exactly caused you to realize that they were narcissists? Yeah, so if you can recall back from the Greek mythology, Narcissus was a man who fell in love with his reflection. He loved his reflection so much that he never even left the pool and he, he died there staring at himself and loving, not loving, but just being obsessed with himself. So a narcissist is a person that with a disordered personality it is a person who has this grandiose sense of self-importance. They have this preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited power, success, wealth, beauty. They have the belief that they are so special and can only be understood by special people. They have an excessive need for admiration, adoration. They want to be fawned over. They want to be worshipped essentially um they have a, a huge sense of entitlement but but the the thing is is that they lack empathy they will do whatever it takes to exploit you to manipulate you to get what you want and they are some of the most arrogant people i've ever met and and the myth is you would think that a narcissist with all these you know traits that they would have such a secure sense of self-worth and ego, but really they are have the most fragile self-esteem out there and the most fragile ego because of whatever they've gone through in, in their past, in their life, um, has created this disordered personality. 
So that's kind of, those are some of the, the traits, you know, they don't have to have all those traits, but they do have to have about five of those traits to actually have a diagnosis. And then within, within narcissism, there are, uh, you know, covert narcissists, overt narcissists, malignant narcissists, you know, so there are different types. I was married to two different types. My first husband, Joshua, was a, a covert narcissist. So a covert narcissist is someone who does a very, very, very good job of hiding their true self. These are people who are pillars in the community. They are respected and loved by so many people. Everyone, they can do no wrong. They, they feed the poor, they hold the babies, you know, they, they are great. But then when they come home, they're a completely different person. So my first husband was a covert. My second husband was an overt, a malignant. He was a self-proclaimed asshole. He knew he was a horrible person. He hated everyone, very negative. Um, but yet he still held himself up to the standard, like he was above everyone. And so within this disordered personality, what makes it very similar to domestic violence is that it is a, uh, they use power and control. So they use, they want to control you and they will manipulate you, gaslight you, all those things to have power and control over you, which is similar to the, the cycle of domestic violence. So here I am as an attorney and my background is domestic violence oh. and I don't, and I don't know how it is over in the Netherlands, but in the U S about 20, 30 years ago, domestic violence was really just focused on physical violence. Right. There wasn't a lot of focus on psychological and emotional violence. Mm -hmm. Because it's hard to detect. It's the, the gray area. It is. It is. And so then when you have narcissistic abuse is the majority of the time is filled with psychological and emotional abuse. They both have domestic violence and narcissistic abuse both have cycles of abuse. And so this is why because of the psychological and the emotional abuse, this is why so many people, both men and women, find themselves in these relationships and it doesn't look like traditional domestic violence because they might not be physically abusive but we know that something is not right we know that i'm being manipulated i'm being controlled i'm being confused i don't know what's going on but you couldn't it it couldn't be where like in traditional domestic violence if there was violence i could call the law enforcement and law enforcement would show up hey he touched me if I were to call law enforcement and say, hey, my husband, my partner is psychologically and emotionally manipulating me and controlling me and abusing me, will you come arrest them? They would just laugh and say, deal with that in the family court or get a therapist. Mm -hmm. It's much harder. It flies more on the radar because what happens a lot, I believe, is that it gets reported and then the police shows up and they change masks and they are suddenly very friendly and nobody believes that... Uh, behind the friendly mask is actually an abuser. Exactly. And if there wasn't like a physical touch or apprehension of fear, mm -hmm. 
they're not going to do anything about it. They will say, deal with this in the civil court, just file for divorce. And so you have a bunch of people who are like, I'm in this uh, relationship. I feel stuck. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get out. No one is believing me because in the community, this person looks amazing. At home, they're a completely different person. You know, I'll, I'll talk about the, the cycle of abuse. Similar to the cycle of domestic violence, there's a cycle of abuse with narcissistic abuse. So the first stage of the cycle is the idealization phase. Then there is the devaluation. And then there's the discard. So what happens when you first start to date a narcissist, you don't know they're a narcissist. They are truly the most amazing person. They love everything about you. You are wonderful. You are perfect. They manifested you. You are their soulmate. You are God's gift to them. These are words that they say. They love everything about you. They mirror your values. They mirror you. They are attentive. They listen to you. They get you to open up to them so that you start revealing all your secrets to them. They know all your vulnerabilities and insecurities because you feel like this person understands you. So then they take all of that, all that mirroring, everything about you. And when the devaluation stage comes, they use all of that against you. So now they start belittling you. Now they start criticizing you. So and what so, you're saying is that actually first there's the idealization phase and they, they become everything you ever wanted. The perfect soulmate who gives you everything you, you yes. see. And then suddenly like the mask drops and they use everything they like so much about you against you. And that's the devaluation stage, right? Yes. Yep. And so once they have devalued you, once they've criticized you, once they've torn you down, once they can see that you are emotionally reacting, you are worried, you're stressed, you're, you're um, just in, in, in anguish, all this stuff, they have controlled you. That is their whole intent. Remember, it's all about power and control. Mm. And so then when they see that you are so low, then they'll start love bombing you. Ah, so it starts it, again then, huh? So it the does. starts again. Yes. And so, and they don't apologize. You know, they may just one day after they've moped for a few days, they'll, they'll bring you flowers. They'll pretend like nothing happened. They'll be the most perfect loving person again. And so then you have this cycle where it goes evaluation love bomb devaluation love bomb and this can go on for weeks months years until uh you have developed enough worth in yourself and you're like i'm done and you leave and you discard them or they feel like they can no longer manipulate and control them or you're no longer fun and exciting for them and they discard you Right, so that so, creates the pattern, right, of intermittent reinforcement. You get a little bit yes. of the good and a little bit of the bad, and it alternates, so our brain goes a little wacky, right? 
Yes. And I was just going to say this pattern creates uh, with all this intermittent reinforcement, it creates this whole arching thing called cognitive dissonance. Uh -huh. It is you are just confused. They present themselves with this Mr. Hyde, Dr. Jekyll personality. You have no idea what's going on. You start manifesting all these things in your body. Is it me? You become stressed. You become anxious. You get depressed. You try to work on yourself because the whole time they're saying it's you. Yeah. So the, the victim or yeah, can I call it victim? The person experiencing the narcissistic abuse is going through massive confusion and their own brain is like turning against them because there's two opposite truths and they're being pulled between them, right? Yes. Yes. And so, and, and what happens because you hear so many people say, well, why don't you just leave? Well, here's the, here's the, the reason why it is challenging to leave a narcissistic abusive relationship. There's this thing called a trauma bond. So with all that intermittent reinforcement, it creates a trauma bond with this person. And so I like to liken it as a, a drug addiction. So say the first time a person uses a drug, they get this really high dopamine level. You know, they're, they're way up here, this dopamine rush. The next time they use the drug, they don't get that high as high of them. And every time they keep using, trying to reach that first high, but they never get that first high. It keeps uh -huh. you addicted in that cycle. Similarly, with a trauma bond, we know that they know how to love us. We know that they know how to be kind to us and treat us well. So when it's really bad, we stay because we know it's going to be good again. Okay, I know it's bad. I know he's done all these things to me. I know he's smoking. I don't know how long it's going to take. It could be a month. It could be a week. It could be a day. But we have that expectation that the good is going to come. Right. And then, and, and so that keeps you hurt. That keeps you addicted. That's why when so many people say, well, you can just heal. I had a breakup and I just healed. Time heals. No, time does not heal when you are in a narcissistic abusive relationship. If I did nothing today, and five years later, I still did not do the deep inner work of healing. I would still be in the very same spot because time does not heal you from a narcissistic abuse. Right. So it leaves a lot of damage and people are not aware of it. So even if they they don't see the person, that trauma bond is still active. And at any moment, if they, if they have contact again, it's activated. Just like, let's say, an alcoholic or drug user. They say yes. when you have an addiction, you keep having it because, you know, if you're in the same environment, then you get tempted again. It's exactly like that. And in fact, you know, I, um, I, for even for myself personally, I have experienced that I, I was no contact for, for many, many, many months. And just when someone mentioned his name, it was like my heart started racing my my, I started getting sweaty. I started getting anxious. I started feeling sick because we have it's these, these triggers, these activations in our mind. And now our body must manifest, you know? So if we're, if we are thinking, oh gosh, what's going to happen? Is he going to find me? Is he going to contact me? 
So we're thinking these thoughts and then our body must respond to our thoughts. And so then that's when you have the rapid heartbeat. That's when you have the sweaty palms. That's when you have all the anxiety and the anxiousness coming up, even though you might have been away from this person for years. Right. So there is a link between the, the brain and the, the body, the nervous system, and it gets activated in case of a trigger and you get a somatic response. Like yeah, it's actually it's actually not the brain. It is your thoughts. It is your mind. Right. So your mind controls your brain. Your brain controls your body. Mm -hmm. And so that's why with with EFT, what we talked about earlier, we're changing the thought patterns. We're changing the mind. And when your thought patterns and mind changes, it changes the physiology of your mm -hmm. brain and therefore your body's responses because you have to get all of that trauma <clears throat> out of your body. Right. So it's like a software update. You do a software update in the mind to override all these programs yes. of the abusive relationship and all these nasty, tricky core beliefs. And then you link it yes. to the body with tapping to get the energy physically out and get yes. the system. Yes. Wow. That's a whole process. It sounds. Like it is something you do in a day. No, it, it takes time and it takes doing the hard work. And that's why, you know, I can give you a map of everything you need to do to heal yourself after these uh, abusive relationships. But unless you are willing to do the hard work, you will sit there in, in the same victim mindset, the same uh, is the same place and you will not move forward in your life you will remain stuck and what would you say is like the first step for anyone who is stuck in in this type of situation somewhere in the world and they're listening to this what would be your yeah. advice to that person that's still in that victim consciousness still stuck in an abusive relationship yeah so if you are listening to this podcast and what i have said resonates with you you say oh my partner does that my partner acts like this or my parents you know or there's a lot of narcissistic parents oh that's how my dad behaved that's how my mother behaved then you could be in a narcissistic abusive relationship you know with a disordered personality and one it is not your fault but until you learn the lessons and break the patterns and do the hard work, you will repeat the cycle. You will repeat the patterns in your life. So the first step is actually having the awareness, knowing that you are in this relationship and having the awareness that I need to get out of it. And then you, you need to, um, to do the hard work. What are the lessons? You know, for so long, I said, why me? I didn't do anything wrong and I could not see the lessons. But when I shifted my mindset from instead of seeing my two ex-husbands as monsters who were trying to destroy my life, instead I said, okay, and sometimes we just have to make the conscious choice to do this, whether you believe it or not. I had to say, okay, let me just imagine if these if my two ex-husbands were wise teachers who taught me very painful, very hard filled lessons, what would that look like? I got a journal out and I said, okay, husband number one, if you were a wise teacher, 
what did I learn from the 14 years that I was with you? For one, I learned that I need boundaries. So you see, I thought I had boundaries. My first husband, the covert narcissist, he was a cheater. And so this is just a little side note, but how many of us put cheating over here and abuse over here? They're a cheater. They just cheat. Cheating is psychological and emotional abuse. Right. It folds together. Huh? They go together. They are not separate. So for a long time, again, one of the reasons why I did not feel like I was in an abusive relationship because he was just a cheater. No, they're together. So I had boundaries for him. I would confront other women. Do you know he's married? <laughs> You're talking to my husband here. But you know, a boundary, we can only control our boundaries. So I tried to have boundaries for him, but mm -hmm. I had no boundaries for me. So now I can say, Joshua, as this wise teacher who is here to, to teach me these powerful lessons, you showed me that I have to have boundaries for myself and I cannot be the boundaries for anyone else. And I could say, thank you, Joshua, for showing me that I cannot change a person. I cannot will someone to change. I cannot pray someone to change. I cannot love someone to get them to change. I'm only responsible for me. And when I become worthy enough, I will leave. So I can say, thank you for showing me that I am worthy of so much more. Mm. So to summarize what you just said is that the first step is the awareness that starts the process and helps to actually honestly look at ourselves like, okay, instead of being in this victim mindset and saying, oh, this person tried to destroy me to shift the perspective and actually check in with yourself. Like, what could I actually learn from this person if it were a teacher and not just yes. like a bad person, a devil who's out to destroy me. But if I put him in a teacher role, what is the lesson in there for me? Yes. And so then I, t I, you know, I, I did that. I, I walked through 14 years of marriage and, and all the lessons he showed me. And then I went to my second husband and I said, okay, I thought I was healed when I met my second husband. I manifested him. How many of us write out what we want? I was very specific of what I wanted. And I met him a week later. So during the idealization phase, when he was saying things like soulmate, I prayed you into my life. I manifested you. It resonated with me. Mm. But the divine in all its infinite knowledge and wisdom will give you what you want with all the unlearned lesson right and this is how people continue to repeat uh -huh. these patterns in their life yes because if they don't like you say if they don't do the work they're gonna attract a similar partner they're gonna manifest it because i've heard a lot of narcissists they use spirituality as a mask and they actually promote this whole soulmate and twin flame thing and that attracts yes. people and they use it so it's it's that's an, another danger on the road huh Yes, yes. And we will continue to attract the people who bring us the lessons that we need to learn. And until we 
learn those lessons until you can change your mindset. Because if you are stuck in victim consciousness, you don't even know that there are lessons there to be learned. Right. Because then it's it's still, uh, how do you say it? The blinders are still on. And the blinds are still on. Yeah. Like the horse, and you, you, you cannot see. It's just tunnel vision still. And you will continue to attract that into your life until you sit down and do the hard work. Yeah, there's no easy way. Huh? The, the, the only there's, way is, is true and there are no quick fixes or shortcuts. People actually put in the work to break their patterns. Yes. And and luckily there's more and more awareness out there and people sharing like you that you take this time to share with the world your experience, your knowledge, so that more people can actually learn about this from an inside look. People who Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I, I don't feel like the stuff we've gone through, you know, we're meant to learn the lessons, we're meant to grow, we're meant to, to share our experiences so that other people can learn from us and grow. And, um, and, and plus, there is, it is called uh, narrative therapy as well. And so it is therapeutic for victims and survivors to share their story. And once we start sharing our stories and start talking about our stories, then we bring more awareness to narcissistic abuse and then we shut it down. So many of us get stuck in shame and guilt. What are people going to think? Um, how are people going to react if I tell my story? But we need to tell our stories because this is how we break the cycles and the patterns. Mm, that's what creates the awareness. It's like when a lot of people across the globe put a light on, the whole world gets yes. lighted and lightened and the awareness is, is spread. So that's indeed, it's uh, that's the way to go. So thank nice. you for spreading the awareness, for taking the time to... Uh, share your knowledge with us and connect people all over the world and hopefully help someone out who's listening. Yes, yes, that's why I'm here. That's why I share my story. All right, I think that's a wrap for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you next week.